0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, my name is Doug Mancha. You're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Finley, and today I have an exclusive interview with Doug Mensch. Doug has been all over the Marvel Universe, but today he decided to just narrow in on one specific part of his career, and that's Moon Knight. Don created Moon Knight with Don Perlin uh, in the pages of Werewolf by Night, and so we talk about his origins, coming up with the concept of the character, um, and then bringing him into other things like the Hulk magazine and his ongoing series. If you are listening to this on our Patreon site, then we thank you for being a supporter. If you're listening to this through our regular feed, then why don't you hop on over to patreon.com thunderquack pledge a few bucks, and get access to some more exclusive interviews. Um, some of them I'll be releasing to the, the mainstream and some of them not, so um, you'll want to check out to see what's there because there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, This is a companion episode to Moon Knight, episode one, Bad Moon Rising. So seek that one out if you uh, enjoy listening to this interview. But enough from me. Here is my interview with Doug Mensch. I was wondering if we could start a little bit back, um, because this Moon Knight has its origins in Werewolf by Night. And uh, you were kind of the a Marvel horror writer at the time, right? You did a, a lot of horror stuff for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. How did you get uh, connected with Marvel in the first place?
1: I started out writing uh, short horror stories for uh, Warren, for Creepy, Eerie, Vampirella. And then uh, for Skywall, they had Nightmare and Psycho and something else, I think. And even for DC's uh, House of Mystery and House of Secrets, I did a few for them. And uh, I think the, uh, the next to the last editor I had at Warren was Marv Wolfman. And he uh, quit and started working for Marvel. And my phone rang one day, and it was Marv Wolfman. And uh, I I had always thought he was the one who suggested me uh, moving to New York and working full-time for Marvel. But I just had uh, some email back and forth with Roy Thomas, and Roy thinks it was his idea. But anyway, (laughs) what what actually happened was uh, Marv made the call. He was in Roy's office, and he said... uh, you know, uh, Marvel's putting out a whole slew of black and white titles, like Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirella, but more Marvel-oriented. Uh, and we need uh, writers, uh, you know, especially uh, writers who can do a lot, you know, can write a lot of material. And uh, he said, he, he talked some more, and then he put Roy on the phone. And Roy said, yeah, come to New York and, you know, write all this stuff. Now, I don't know whose idea it was. I, I just assumed it was Marv's. Roy says it, it was his. But uh, that's how that started. And, yeah, the the main idea was to come and do a lot of the black and white horror book writing. But they did say, yeah, and we'll want you to do some regular Marvel comics, too, but... In the beginning, you know, we're going to need tons and tons of this black and white horror stuff. And I said, okay, you know. And that's how that started.
0: The black and white stuff, they were you were allowed to get away with a little bit more than in the comics, right? Just with the way, like, the comic code worked and such?
1: Yeah, there was no, no comics code. But it was Marvel, so they didn't want to do anything that uh, would make Marvel look bad. So it was just, you know, the Comics Code back then was ridiculous. It was that you could have no Walking Dead, no zombies. Well, that's, you know, that's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, does that include ghosts? You know, what do you mean by Walking Dead? And what's so bad about ghosts and zombies? I, you know, I werewolves. I guess were okay with the code. And uh, okay. vampires were kind of okay, but not zombies, What you know. It just seemed it arbitrary. Silly. It was.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so how did you come to uh, land the Werewolf by Night comic series?
1: Well, it wasn't just that Marvel needed uh, new writers for the black or white stuff. It was that... Marvel had expanded the number of overall titles, including their color books to such an extent that everything was late, missing deadlines left and right. And they're paying late printer fees. And, you know, so they, they needed more writers to do all of the work necessary. Right. And some of it was, uh, uh, inevitably on the color books as well as the black and white line. So, they would just offer me stuff, you know, how about doing Master of Kung Fu? Uh, oh, okay. How about <laughs> Werewolf by Night? All right. I When they offered me Werewolf by Night, they had already offered me Man-Wolf. And when they said, how about Werewolf by Night? I said, well, I don't want to do two werewolf books, you know. <laughs> I'll I'll do one or the other, you know, and they said, okay, which one do you want? You want to stay on man I said, no, 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 I'd much rather do Werewolf by Night than Man-Wolf, because Man-Wolf was a real pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, they Well, it was uh, J, uh, J. Jonah Jameson's son right. was the Man-Wolf, and, you know, the Man-Wolf was, you know, a really fringe Marvel title uh you know, bottom of the barrel kind of thing. And, you know, compared to Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and Hulk and all of that stuff. And so they're looking for ways to increase the sales so they told me, and I didn't think this would necessarily increase sales, but they were willing to give it a shot. They told me, well, J. Jonah Jameson is in Spider-Man, so, and the Man-Wolf is J. Jonah Jameson's son, so you've got to put J. Jonah Jameson in every issue of Manwolf. I said, really? <laughs> and they said, yeah, but you can't write anything that would make J. Jonah Jameson upset. And I said, What do you mean? Well, we don't want to interfere with the J. Jonah Jameson continuity in the Spider Man book. Oh, so yeah. you can't <laughs> you can't have him, you know, I said, his son is a werewolf. How can he not be upset? What well, you know but so that was a real pain in the butt doing that all the time. Trying mm. or I didn't do it much. I only did a few issues of it before they offered me Werewolf by Night. But Werewolf by Night was a much cleaner, self-contained book, you know. You didn't have to worry about, you know, interfering with Spider-Man continuity or anything like that. At this point,
0: how many issues a month do you think you were writing? Wow. (laughs) The equivalent of? Because... Oh, yeah, because the short stories and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, well, some some of these black and white books, things like uh, Planet of the Apes or Doc Savage... I was writing like 55 pages Oh, right, you know? yeah, yeah. and uh, the color books were, I think, 17 pages at the time. So mm-hmm. if you do it by pages, I was probably doing something like 10 books a month. You know? <laughs> wow, that's it, incredible. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. It was crazy. It was yeah. crazy.
0: And uh, could you keep on top of that
1: or did you feel like you were drowning? No, I, I. You ask any of the editors from back then. I was the only writer they had who never blew a deadline. Never. <laughs> nice. They, they just couldn't believe it, oh. and neither could I. But I, and there was the day when uh, I was told Roy wants to see you in his office, and I go, Oh, geez, what I do now. So I go into Roy's office expecting, you know, well, you you did this and that's, you know, Marvel would never do that and you can't and instead, uh Roy says, Sit down, Doug, and I so I sit down and he says, very serious, he was very sober and serious, and he says, We need more writing from you. And I just, <laughs> I, just I just I just blurted out, You gotta be shitting me. What do you go? <laughs> I I'm already writing way more than any other writer and I'm spending more than forty hours a week here in the office as a as an editor, an assistant editor. Oh, man. And he says I he says, I know, I know, but we need more writing from you and I said, Look, I you know, I'm lucky my girlfriend is, is sticking with me through this, <laughs> you know, because I got I do nothing but work here in the office, go home and work uh hear her say okay dinner time go eat and go back to my desk and work some more and get 4 hours of sleep you know i mean if oh, you if you want if you want any more writing from me i'm going to have to stay home i'm going to have to quit the staff job uh in the office here and Roy just said, "Yeah, I was afraid you would say that. Okay, stay <laughs> two, stay, stay two more weeks to train your replacement, and then stay home and do more." Oh right. man! <laughs> so, and that's how. And so it turned out. Uh, and this was like I was probably the the shortest lived assistant editor in Marvel history. Wow. I think I was there for like two and a half months on staff. You know, yeah. Before they said, stay home. <laughs> And so I didn't even have to move to Manhattan, it turned out. But, you know, it, w- it was a nice experience. I-, I ended up loving Manhattan. Oh, good. Um, so
0: Moon Knight appears in, pa- in the pages of Werewolf by Night. Uh, yep. Why, yep. How did you come up with that idea? And what? Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but I felt like um, it was time to assert myself more on the stuff I was doing instead of just bringing back old villains and you know, tying up the loose ends of previous writers and, you know, pretty much doing what had already been done in these books, but in a new way, uh, I felt it's time. I got to start creating my own supporting characters and villains for these characters to fight and so on and so forth. So, I did a compromise thing. There was a a group called the committee that I believe either Jerry Conway or Len Wein had come up with. I don't remember who created the committee, but they weren't very exciting. It was just a a group of guys in suits who are bad guys and do bad things. right? Uh, So I decided that the committee would, uh, for, Whatever reason, and I can't remember the reason. They wanted to get rid of the werewolf. They wanted to kill the werewolf, so they would hire a mercenary, a hitman, to to kill the werewolf. And I came up with uh, this character, whose every accoutrement, his whole costume and all of his weapons and gimmicks and so on, were designed to counter the werewolf. And I I came up with, I don't know, 15 names for this guy. I remember Len Wein, who was the editor of Werewolf by Night, or the editor of Marvel, I guess. He called up and he was doing the coming comic stuff. And he says, okay, and and in the next issue of Werewolf by Night, what's going to be in that? And I said, well, I came up with this new villain, a guy who's hired to stop the werewolf, and I have 15 names for him, and I haven't picked one yet. And he said, okay, read them. So I started reading the names, and I got to Moon Knight. It was probably the third one or fourth one or whatever. And Len said, Moon Knight. Oh, I like that. I like that. And I said, well, okay, that's probably the one I would have picked too, but there are a few other good ones on here. And he says, no, no, no Moon Knight. I like that <laughs> I said, okay, Moon Knight it is. Now, the moon, of course, the werewolf changes to the werewolf because of the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh the night part of it is like he's he's a hired lance, you know, uh, a mercenary again. Yeah. And uh the black and white costume was uh the night is black and the moon mm-hmm. is white. Actually, I said it was jet and silver, right. silver moon. And uh he had uh these gloves that with cestus spikes, like the old you know, Roman gladiators. These spikes on his knuckles, and they were silver, because silver is the only thing that hurts a werewolf. Mm-hmm. And then he had he had the crescent shaped throwing darts, uh, you know, sort of a Japanese type things, but in the shape of the crescent moon, and they were made out of silver, and they would hurt the werewolf. And the truncheon was made out of silver, and you know, all of this stuff was designed to go up against a werewolf. Right. And originally, he he was a bad guy, villain. But because he was a guy trying to stop a werewolf, he's kind of a good guy, right? right. I mean, you know, because yeah, the werewolf. I mean, stopping a, a werewolf is not yeah, it's not a bad thing to do. No. So when the hero the hero of your book is a werewolf then pretty much all of his antagonists are, are kinda good guys, you know, or or at least uh equally as bad, you know, other monsters trying to get him, whatever. And I was getting sick of him fighting other monsters or just nobody. And I and I wanted an actual villain, and that's how I came up with Moon
0: Knight. Wow, there you go.
1: Which which is proof <laughs> I keep trying to tell people, everybody who says Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman, no, no, no. Moon Knight was Marvel's werewolf by night villain originally. And uh, I had, the last thing on my mind was Batman when I came up with Moon Knight. That's mm-hmm. just silly. <laughs> the the thing, eventually, when Bill Sienkiewicz started drawing uh, Moon Knight, Bill, at that point, And he he grew out of it. But at that point, he was very much a Neil Adams type artist. He was using the Neil Adams style and Neil Adams' style was uh, very much identified with Batman. So when Bill would draw a Moon Knight figure based on a Batman type pose by Neil Adams, well, it did sort of look like Marvel's Batman. But that that was not it at all. And then they say, well, and there are their alter egos they're both rich guys no 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 moon knight had four identities (laughs) yeah you know he had he was moon knight right then he was a mercenary a bad guy mercenary who chose to try to become a good guy to atone for his mercenary past when he would fight and kill people for money and nothing else now he decided i got to atone for that and try and do good and how do i do that uh well, I need a, a, you know, like a base of operations and a, a front for what I'm doing. And he made all this money as a mercenary, so he invested it in the stock market. And that was the Stephen Grant character that everybody says is Bruce Wayne, but it wasn't really. And then I thought, well, instead of him just stumbling on crimes, oh, look, there's a bank being robbed. I would try and make it more realistic by having this other identity as Jake Lockley, a cabbie, who would be close to the street and would have informers on the street, you know, semi-underworld characters and so on, and he could stop at the diner and overhear stuff, talk to people, and find out about bad doings going down and then change the moon night that night and go and do something about it. So all all of these uh, identities, uh, one of which... Okay, there's a rich guy, and Bruce Wayne is a rich guy. That really makes him like Batman. Well, like you it could
0: make him Iron Man, or like there are a number of rich. Yeah, there's
1: plenty if... of rich. There's plenty of rich guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: When you were writing these alternate personalities, um, Moon Knight would fully embrace the, the ones to to the point where he his speech would be different, even to talking yep. when he was talking with uh, Marlene. Yep. Um, was there a dominant personality out of all of these ones?
1: Uh, yeah, and it was Mark Spector, the mercenary. Now, Marlene thought the real guy was Stephen Grant, who she yeah. was in love with. But of course, she was in love with all the identities. You know, it's right. just that the one she met and knew was Stephen Grant. Um, But to me, he's always been Mark Spector, which means he started out as... Pretty much not not an immoral guy, necessarily, but amoral and as soon as he killed someone for money, that was immoral as well mm-hmm. uh he probably- He probably fooled himself in the beginning, taking the money to fight for different countries in Africa and South America, whatever. He probably fooled himself saying, Well, I'm on the good guy's side, but he eventually realized there there's no such thing when you do that. And set out to do the right thing, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do for no other reason. So the real guy is is complex, um, a bad guy who becomes a good guy. Mm, right.
0: Whose idea was it to uh, bring Moon Knight back in Marvel Spotlight twenty eight and twenty
1: nine? That I'm pretty sure was Marv Wolfman. Um, I remember being up in the office and I had never given further thought to Moon Knight other than, oh, in a year or so, I'll bring him back as a as a villain to fight the werewolf again. You know, in my mind, he was a werewolf villain. But I remember being up in the office and Marv saying, you know, I really like that Moon Knight. You should do a one shot in Marvel premiere or Marvel whatever it was. Uh, and make him a little more of a good guy, you know, and then he could be a hero. And I thought, oh, man, how am I going to do that? And that's when I went home that night, that's when I came up with this idea of he wants to atone and change and become a good guy, and he invents these these two other identities. You know, he already had Mark Spector and Moon Knight. Now he's got Jake Lockley and Stephen Grant as well and the whole thing just came together uh sort of automatically you know i mean i was doing so much stuff then that i didn't dwell on any one thing at all it's i don't know how to describe it i think when you're sleep deprived or whatever <laughs> your mind your mind goes on automatic pilot and you you're just stunned by what can come out you know yeah. without it's almost like automatic writing it had to be automatic writing because doing so much stuff, I, every day I had to sit down and do something. Something had, I couldn't have any days where oh, I couldn't come up with an idea, so I gave up and went out and had coffee or something. No, no, no. Every day I had to produce something. Yeah. And when your mind is convinced of that, it just produces something. That's wow. the only way I can describe it.
0: Well, that's good. I don't think everybody can do that. That takes a special... A special
1: well, moment. I don't know. I I wonder. I wonder. I mean, in in a sense, it's no fun. But on the other hand, I I, I was just uh, amazed at what I was able to do. And, and that part of it was tremendous fun. Not getting enough sleep and... You know, being a a bad guy to my girlfriend. By bad guy, I mean not having any time to do anything with her, you know. Uh, That part of it wasn't good. And, you know, it got a little better when I quit the staff job. We we could at least go out to restaurants and stuff and movies once in a while. But I was still working, you know, 16, 18 hours a day. Because... Because they gave me more work when I quit the (laughs) staff job, you know. When
0: did it start slowing down?
1: Uh, Not until I moved out to Pennsylvania, to Bucks County. Uh, Even then, I was still doing more than any of the other writers, but, you know, not three times as much as anybody else. Maybe only double, you know. (laughs) And it, 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 it slowly but surely... Uh, went down you know what it it was just amazing coming out here as much as I loved Manhattan waking up to nothing but birds chirping you know yeah no no traffic sounds nothing it was it was unearthly it was unreal because I was born and grew up in Chicago and then I moved to Manhattan you know and all of a sudden it's like oh wow this is peace and quiet, you know, and I could step out my door and wander around in a field and in the woods. And it was I started uh, spending the first hour and a half with a cup of coffee, just wandering through nature, you know, and it, I, it slowed me down uh, all on its own. Just the change of uh, environment. Nice.
0: Yeah, I guess New York is known for being a, a fast, busy city.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe how much... I mean, I knew at the time, but I couldn't believe once I was away from it how much I hated the crowds, the noise, and the smell of Manhattan. (laughs) Now, on the other hand, I loved uh, the the bookstores, the restaurants, the movie theaters, the Broadway theaters. I just... Everything about Manhattan... And you put up with the with the smell, the noise, and the bustle, the crowds, because of that other stuff. But once you get away from the smell and the noise and the and the hectic pace, it's like, geez, how did I ever put up with that? How did I ever endure? Right.
0: Going back to Moon Knight here. Um between the years of marvel spotlight and when he was appearing in the hulk a couple of other creators got to stick moon knight in their own books like he was in spider-man and defenders and such uh were you paying attention to that kind of thing
1: no no so you had, yeah. no, i i never did um that's the fun that was the other bad thing about moving to manhattan and writing for marvel I you know I went from a, a comic book avid reader and fan you know reading almost everything put out by DC and Marvel and Warren and you know and all the little offshoot the underground comics I went from that to to almost reading no mainstream comics at all because now it was it was my job you know and I didn't I, I didn't have time to read hardly anything first of all and every time i took on a new book they you know they'd hand me a stack of the 30 previous issues i'd have to read and you know i had already read a lot of them back in chicago but you know now you're doing it as study as research for your new job and it it left very little time and no inclination to read the books anymore hmm. there were some there were some exceptions i mean Oh, I don't know. I, the, when Alan Moore started doing Swamp Thing, I remember that's way later. Uh, I, I read that, and you know, Dark Knight Returns. I made sure you would always hear about something special that you gotta gotta read, and I would read those. Right, but you know, the the run of the mill issue of the Hulk or whatever, I just didn't have time anymore, and, and that's a shame. But oh, yeah. part of the reason that all the other writers didn't write as much as me is because they were still reading all the books. You know, they, (laughs) they stayed readers and fans.
0: So the Hulk magazine, um, tell me a little bit about that. You were writing for it before moon Knight uh, was part of the backup feature, right? Whose idea was it to stick moon Knight in there?
1: Uh, I believe that was Ralph Macchio. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, after Marv had stopped me saying, "Well, I really like Moon." Knight, I remember Michael Fleischer also. He was talking about the the Marvel Preview one, the one with where he's the cab driver a lot. You right. know, And I just wanted to tell you that's that was the most solidly plotted comic book I've ever read. Yeah, it was I thought, really good. wow. That's nice, you know. Uh-huh. And then Ralph Macchio started telling me how much he loved Moon Knight, and I'm thinking. He was just a villain in Werewolf by Night, and he had one or two of these little, you know, one-shot appearances. And why is everybody talking about Moon Knight to me? I, I was real slow to pick up on the potential popularity of the character. It didn't. It was always every step of the way. It was someone else. I never once said. Hey, can I do a Moon Knight series in the back of the Hulk? Or, hey, can I do a Moon Knight one-shot? Hey, how about Moon Knight as a monthly book? It was always an editor coming to me saying, you should do this. And it surprised me every time for some reason. But, um, yeah, they asked me to do the Hulk magazine, which started out as another black and white thing and became, you know, I guess Marvel's first full-process color book. Um and i initially said no to the Hulk. Again, as part of that J. Jonah Jameson in the in the man wolf thing. I didn't want to have to worry about what was being done in the regular color Hulk book and, you know, is this going to conflict with that content? I got to get permission for everything I want to do. You don't understand. Sometimes it's three thirty in the morning and I have to do a whole issue of something I can't check with the writer of <laughs> yeah. the other Hulk book, you know? Right. And so I want to do all these things that are controlled by me alone and don't require approval or anything. And, they, and that's when they said, no, no, no. This is going to take place between the original first six issues of the Hulk and when the Hulk came back in, I don't know, Tales to Astonish or whatever the Hulk was in and it's like the untold stories of the Hulk from that period. I said, are you kidding me? You want me to write stories about the Hulk from the time when I loved the Hulk? And
0: and they said, yeah. (laughs) And I
1: said, okay. And I don't have to get permission. No, no. As long as it, you know, if you write something that is completely contradicted by the later, in other words, current Hulk stuff that you're not reading anymore, we'll let you know. But, you know, there there isn't much chance of that as long as you keep it self-contained. And I said, okay, you know. So I was doing that, and uh, the artists couldn't, you know, draw that many pages to fill the whole thing with the Hulk. And so they needed a, a backup, and I, it was Ralph Macchio I said, why don't you uh, do Moon Knight as a backup? And I said, Wow. Moon Knight really has nothing to do with the Hulk. You know, I mean, <laughs> what, a, what a weird pairing. And they said, well, yeah, but Ralph was the editor or assistant editor of that Hulk magazine. So, it, you know, and he liked the Hulks. I mean, like Moon Knight, so, you know, Moon Knight got to be in the Hulk.
0: Was writing those stories different than writing Moon Knight for the color books?
1: Well, yeah, because of Bill Sienkiewicz.
0: Right, because that's when he first uh, came on the scene.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think maybe there was one or two in the Hulk before Bill, but right, pretty, yeah. pretty quick, pretty early. Uh, Ralph Macchio called and says, "Oh my God, wait till you see this, guy guys! Stuff. I got the artist for Moon Knight, and you're not going to believe it." And yada yada. Now I've heard that many, many times from many editors, and I went, "Oh, okay, good." and then the the first pages showed up, and I went oh this this guy is pretty good. it's kind of Neil Adams, but you you know Neil Adams is hard to beat um and maybe he'll develop, and he did he really did develop into his own artist, but because it was bill it it felt different and was different, and yeah and any anytime. I change artists on something I've been doing for a long time. It is affected by the new artist. I de- first of all, I deliberately try to write to that artist's strengths. I try to keep the artist happy by asking him, "Well, what do you like to draw?" You know, I mean, I have this famous story. Of, you know, I work with Paul Galassi a lot, uh, especially on Master of Kung Fu. Right, and I tell this story about the one time he said, "All right." I want you to write me a story with uh Russian tanks uh uh babes in bikinis and uh I forget what the other two things were but they were ridiculous things and none of the things had anything to do with each other but somehow by god I managed to write a story that put all those <laughs> things together you know yeah and and you know I that time it was just like the challenge of it and i usually didn't go that far but i would find out in general what an artist what turned on an artist and try to do it for him um i have another story with john buscema he he once told me that uh he was doing weird world with me right. uh, or lords of the shadow realm you know which was weird world but we had to change the title uh, because DC had come out with the Weird Worlds of Edgar Rice Burroughs, and they oh. were going to sue or s- some stupid thing. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm working with uh, John Buscema, and he he said, "Yeah, this stuff is pretty good." You know, <laughs> he said, "But the, my favorite thing to draw is Kazar," and I said, "Kazar? Why? Why Kesar? You know." what what about Conan you know you draw this great Conan stuff. no with Conan you got to use a straight edge because there's buildings in Conan with Kazar, it's just a jungle I can do everything freehand (laughs) so you see artists do have their favorite things and sometimes you would never dream why Uh, John Buscema just hated to have to reach for a straight edge and put it down on the page and you know because he had to draw buildings and there were cities in Conan, but there were no cities in Kazar. It was just blades of grass and trees and stuff. <laughs>
0: Isn't that funny? Um, so Marvel preview number 21, this is probably like the longest story, uh, Moon Knight story that you did. Took like the whole, yeah. almost the whole, the whole magazine there. Was this again, Ralph Macchio uh, saying, we got to bring him back. I think
1: I think that was Ralph Macchio. Was this before the Back of Hulk?
0: No, it um, Hulk was from seventy-eight to April nineteen eighty, and Marvel yeah. Preview was May nineteen eighty. So it was just after.
1: Oh, but it would have been—you well, would have been that,
0: doing it probably the same time.
1: That was Ralph again. You know, well, we got to keep Bill and here at Marvel. You know. Uh, do do a long uh, Moon Knight thing for this other magazine he was editing.
0: Mm -hmm. And did the the series, his first ongoing series, come pretty much directly after that? You mean the monthly? The
1: monthly, yes. Yep, yep. I think, I don't know whose idea that was, but um, I know my nemesis, the one guy i tr- truly hate at marvel comics jim shooter oh. uh the on- <laughs> the only guy the only guy i've ever hated at marvel comics yeah uh he was the editor in chief at the time and it may well have been his decision i don't know okay i it was just who called me denny O'Neill, maybe i don't know
0: he was the who editor was the
1: editor he was the editor at the beginning? Yes. I think Denny O'Neill called me and just said, well, we want to do a monthly moon night. Uh, you ready? And I, again, surprised. I'm, I was surprised every step of the way. And I said, oh, all right. Here we go.
0: Wow. And you were teamed with Bill again. Yep. And you rewrote his origin story in the fourth issue of The Monthly. You kind of gave him a new origin that didn't tie to the yeah. to the committee.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it didn't erase the committee,
0: nope. though. No, it just
1: sort of uh, yeah.
0: tweaked it a little so that he existed yeah, before yeah. the committee.
1: That, that, I know, was demanded by Jim Shooter. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he wanted uh, a real superhero origin, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so... I mean, he didn't tell me what to do. He just wanted a real superhero origin, he called it. Okay. So well, it's like, all right, all right. I was, you know, really interested in ancient Egyptian mythology at the time, and uh, I used the Egyptian moon guy. Khonshu. That's when I put in the Egyptian stuff.
0: Right, Okay. Uh, and you gave him a supporting cast. Or, I mean, I guess he already had a supporting cast in the Hulk magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yep, get, yep. you revealed the secret identity to them pretty early on there as well, and made them more part of the yep. team.
1: Yep, I didn't want it to be like a regular superhero book. It was, he uh, was such an oddball, uh, out of left field from Werewolf by Night guy, that I thought, well, you know, I don't have to obey all these usual superhero rules. He'll have no superpowers. Uh, that's another reason people say he's like Batman. Right. Yeah. Neither, neither one of them have superpowers. Well, okay. <laughs> but again, that had nothing to do with Batman. Um, but I, I felt like, um, let's do the unexpected at every possible turn to keep up interest in this thing. Because I, I think in the back of my mind... I kept feeling, well, all these editors keep telling me how much they like Moon Knight, but I'm not sure it's, you know, like Spider-Man or X-Men or whatever, that the readers will agree. So I was trying to do weird things that might bring it attention. One of the things that I had the the hardest time with was no color on his costume. It's just black (laughs) and white. Don't put color on it, you know they kept wanting to put blue on the white parts of it. And I said, well, now it's not white anymore. You know, it's not silver. Well, yeah, but you got to color something. No, you don't. You colorist, you will get paid the same per page. I guarantee you, (laughs) just don't color the costume. And Every time there was a new colorist, I had to go through that. But anyway, uh, the good thing about all the identities was I realized Wow, you know, one of my favorite things in comics has always been the supporting characters. I just, you know, I just love Willie Lumpkin in the Fantastic Four, oh, yeah. right? The, right. the, the mailman, the you know. I mean, all these things. So now I can come up with all of the a set of supporting characters for each of the identities, for each of the... Moon Knight himself has uh, the Detective Flint and other cops and whatnot. And the mercenary has old mercenary connections. And the rich guy has Marlene. And, you know, the, oh, the mercenary also comes with Frenchie, right? Frenchie, Frenchie was yep. part of that. And then Lockley has Jenna and her kids in the diner and Crawley with the flies buzzing around them. And, you know, it, it was unlimited what you could do. And I tried to do it.
0: And you started to build up uh, a rogues gallery as well for him with characters like Bushman, Midnight Man, Morpheus.
1: That was the the other thing. And believe it or not, even then I wasn't thinking about Batman, although I have often said that Batman features the best rogues gallery in comics. When I was trying to come up with my own bunch of villains for Moon Knight. I was thinking more of Spider-Man. You know, he started out with Electro and Vulture and the Sandman and this guy. And the first 15 issues of Spider-Man has an incredible array of, of new villains mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, and that's what I was thinking of. Not Batman.
0: Who are some of your favorite villains that you created for Moon Knight?
1: Well, I like the, uh, uh, Morpheus, mm-hmm. uh, later stolen by Neil Gaiman, son of a bitch. <laughs> I noticed a similarity, Man.
0: yeah, I, I noticed that, um, just like with the mask that Sandman wears and stuff, a little bit of a well, similarity I'm, in the design. I'm, ju-
1: I'm just, I'm just joking. I think we both took Morpheus from mythology, you know. Right. But anyway, uh, yeah, I like Morpheus, I like, uh, oh, what's his name, Bushman. Um, and, If you notice, all of the villains are also similarly grounded in non-superpower reality, you know, a lower level, and don't really have supervillain costumes, Mm. But, but comics are very, very visual, of course. So I would come up with, well, okay, how do I do this without the typical super villain costume, and yet still make him just as visual? It's like, okay, he's got this face tattoo, which, to my surprise, people in real life have now. You know, (laughs) that was so bizarre in 1970, whatever. You know, a tattoo on your face? Are you crazy? But I still say it's
0: bizarre now, even though well, it it is.
1: But people do it, you yep, know? They, they just sure You know how they just arrested some bank robber or something? He had his social security number tattooed on his forehead. What? No way. Yes. <laughs> Look it up, Google it. Okay. it. It was a big story just two I think 2 days ago they tracked this guy down because of the tattoo on his forehead. That's just dumb. <laughs> D- dumb. Unbelievable. Yeah. Even if he did it before he thought of robbing banks, I mean, what the hell was he doing?
0: I guess he just wanted it in a place where he wouldn't forget it. <laughs>
1: at least Bushman <laughs> did it to be scary.
0: Yeah. Well, and Bushman had the teeth too, the yep. metal, the metal yep. teeth, De-
1: deliberately filed. Yep. Yep. So if you look at all of the Moon Knight villains, they're, they all have a visual look that's, you know. Not supervillain costume and not superpower based, and yet is highly distinctive and visual. At least I tried to make them that way.
0: Well, I think Bill's style really uh, drew into that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he no, he was good too.
0: He doesn't need to do the big vi- supervillain costumes or anything like that. His work, um, yeah, it, I don't it, think, makes it
1: interesting. I think uh, I think he disliked that. Uh, in in the first place. Oh, really? So that was good. You know, yeah. I don't think he went on to do very many typical superhero villains.
0: Or no, super I don't villain think so. Characters. There was one guest star in your run on there. It was Daredevil.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to do that.
0: <laughs> I didn't figure because it was like...
1: <laughs> that was actually a request by... A guy I love dearly, uh, Archie Goodwin. Yeah. Um, I thought he was the best editor I ever worked with. And at various times, my favorite comic book writer. Uh, I thought he was just great. And a super nice guy. I mean, my God. Right. I had him and his family out to the house for weekends, and we had great times. I took his whole family tubing on the Delaware River, for Pete's sake.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's... Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, one of my favorite issues of your in your Moon Knight run is issue twenty-six. Hit it! Yeah, that is. Uh, it was so, it's just so touching and uh, beautiful to look at, and and hard hitting. Strange so story. The, yeah, it was so so unlike the other issues.
1: Yeah, there's a number of strange stories behind that. If you want to hear them, sure. Well, first off, uh, Bill was having trouble meeting the monthly deadline. All the artists were having trouble, but this was Bill's turn. And Denny O'Neill called and said, listen, uh, Bill can't do... First of all, the Moon Knight book had more pages than Spider-Man or X-Men because it was uh, comic shops only and there were Mm -hmm. no ads in it, just house ads. So it was like... I I forget twenty five pages of story instead of twenty one or whatever the other books were. Okay. Um, so he, you know, and if it takes you a day to do a page, I mean, you know, the month only has so many days, and right. you know, he was he just couldn't do it. And so then he said, I, "You know, I want you to do, a, you know, a, I forget what it was, a, a seven page backup story." And then that's seven pages that Bill won't have to do in an upcoming issue. And then, you know, write one of the main stories to be seven pages less, right? Right. And I said, oh, okay. So I wrote this seven page thing and it was this little thing called Hit It. And it it didn't have much of a plot at all. It was just a little backup story. Well, Danny O'Neill screwed up and sent Hit It. To Bill, for the next issue,, <laughs> Oops. and Bill gets this thing and reads it, and he calls me up, and he says, This is the greatest thing you 've ever written. I know it says seven pages on here, but i i can I can see how I could expand this with the with big panels and you know just make this a, a unbelievable work of art." And, you know, I said, well, no, no, it's supposed to be a backup by some other artist. And Bill says, I'm not giving this up. (laughs) This this hits me where I live. I've got to draw this. And, you know, I'm going to do it as 25 pages or whatever the hell it was. And and I said, well, I I won't say anything, (laughs) you know, other than, you know, that's supposed to be a seven-page backup. I already told you that. And if you want to go ahead and draw it and do it that way, I won't say anything. Then he'll forget, you know. And so that's what that's what happened. You know, we talked about it some more on the phone and uh, uh, he took a seven page thing. I mean, I added a a few things on the phone. It can't just be that seven page thing expanded to twenty five. You got to throw in a little more. And. Then he did, he did big panels and gorgeous visuals and so on, and it got, it was so late that I got a call from Denny. I got a call from Denny saying, I hate to do this to you. And this was when my parents were visiting from Chicago, right? And I was all set to take them out to see the sights or whatever, and yeah. instead I get this call, can you come in to Manhattan today and sit here in the office and write the you know the dialogue for Bill's pencils, so that I can get it lettered immediately and off to the inker. Otherwise, we're going to blow shipping. You know, we're just <laughs> not going to make it. I said, "You got to be kidding! You want me? She, please, 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 as a personal favor, you know." So I did, and I go in there and I find in this little like closet-sized area with a Coke machine in it. There's a little rickety card table with a typewriter on it and a the most uncomfortable chair ever. And I've dropped my parents off at a Broadway matinee or something, right? Uh, you know, change of plan, mom yeah. and dad. We're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go see New York today. And then I go to Marvel and I sit down and I write the whole thing before I have to meet my parents outside the. Broadway show to go to dinner. So I wrote the whole thing in like, I don't know, four hours, five hours wow. at most. <laughs> and, you know, in that stream of consciousness, you know, crazy, the jazzy style, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I, I was reeling by the end of it, you know, constantly looking at the clock, are my parents going to get lost or mugged or what? <laughs> And I just turned in the pages to Denny thinking, well, I don't know if this is any good. And and then, you know, Denny, I think he called me the next day and said something about, wow, this was really good. I can't believe you did this. And in that time, you didn't do any of this at home, right? You couldn't have because you didn't see the pages till you got here. I said, no, I did it all next to the Coke machine, which was fun. <laughs> People constantly coming in to buy Cokes, right? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it turned out to be one of the most memorable ones. You would never believe it from its origins and how it was done. That's incredible. I guess Bill had the luxury of doing it the right way. Right. <laughs> but I didn't.
0: Well, it came together. It certainly is the most memorable. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, great. it's it's still it's still Bill's favorite. It's probably It might be my favorite, too.
0: Yeah. And you got the chance to bring Werewolf by Night back into the story, into uh, Moon Yeah, Night. yeah, yeah. That was a good story, yeah. too.
1: Yeah. No, Daredevil was Archie's idea. Werewolf was my idea. That made sense to
0: me. Kind of brought the whole thing full circle.
1: Yeah. It wasn't supposed to bring it full circle to the end. It's just that I couldn't take Jim Shooter anymore and I quit, you know. And Bill quit because I forget why. He he was burned out and pissed off at somebody and I, I don't know. Uh, and because of that, I got to do uh, two issues with who? Mark Silvestri, I think? His first Marvel stuff. And that was gorgeous stuff.
0: And then you left Marvel altogether, right? You went over to DC?
1: Yep, yep.
0: Because of Jim Shooter.
1: Well, it's, I've told the story before. I don't know if you need to hear it again, do you?
0: No, that's okay. Um, we'll keep this Moon Knight right. related rather than Jim Shooter related. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, Jim Shooter left me no choice. He he demanded that I kill off all the characters in all my books and create new characters. <laughs> this is crazy. It was crazy. was just nuts. Wow. And I, I said, no, I'm not doing that. And he said, uh, uh, I want to see Shang-Chi dead, and I want to see his blood so he can never come back again. And if you won't do it, I'll get someone who will. And I said, well, I guess you're going to have to get someone who will, because I'm not doing it. And I hung up on him, and then I picked up the phone and called Dick Giordano at D.C. and said, Hey, Dick, you know that lunch you've been wanting to take me to? <laughs> uh, how about, How about tomorrow? And he said, come on in. Yeah, right. So I went in the next day and he took me out to lunch and then he took me back to his office. And they, they had all the covers of all the DC titles on the wall and he swept his hand across and he said, what do you want? I said, you're kidding. He said, no, nope, what do you want? And I said, well, our Batman's always been my favorite DC character, but, you know, Jerry's writing Batman. He said, no, no, Jerry's leaving Batman. I found out later that was a lie when oh, Jerry no. Conway just last year, Jerry Conway stopped here to, to uh, he was driving across country visiting old friends. He stopped here at the house. We went out to dinner and, and that's the first I heard that Jerry saying, I didn't want to leave Batman. I said, you kidding me? Oh no. <laughs> Dick Trinano told me you were leaving the book. And he said, well, that's Dick, you know? Oh, so yeah, no that was feelings, pretty so. terrible. Yeah. No, no. I, I stayed friendly with Jerry without ever knowing this. He never mentioned it until last year. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, by, I don't know, by four in the afternoon that day, I was committed to, the idea was that I would come to DC and create uh, a whole bunch of new things like I had done with Moon Knight and, and Weird World and, you know, a few other things at Marvel. And in the meantime, just to, uh, uh, before I got all of those things up and running, I would do Batman, you know, and Detective, it turns out. And, well, Batman's also in the world's finest, so you could do that too. <laughs> and they were all late so i had I was swamped with all this Batman stuff to do, and all I wanted to do was get to creating my own stuff and In the meantime, Eclipse had already called me and asked me to create a new thing and that became aztec ace so oh, yeah. so i'm doing I'm working on that and then I get a call, and this woman- woman's voice it says verbatim Doug Mench, yes." this is Hollywood calling, please hold. And <laughs> then I get, I get asked to go out to Hollywood and write a movie for Paramount Pictures, you know. And it screwed the whole shift from Marvel to DC and all the, you know, Lords of the Ultra Realm and Electric Warrior and Slash Maraud and all those things that finally did come about. They were supposed to occur like five years earlier, you know. What movie was it that you wrote? Uh, I hate to even say because uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the, the, the Screenwriters Guild sent me the final script, and after I quit the movie, they're listed on the, the page. This is, you, you have the right to uh, petition for screen credit, right? And my name was first. And there were nine other writers and writer teams. There was a total of like 15 other writers.
0: Right, yeah, that sounds typical Hollywood.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. And so I flipped through the final script, and I thought, well, these are all the character names I came up with, and I uh, yeah, see that's kind of something I wrote, and that's a little bit like some But it, just skimming it, I never did read the whole screenplay, but just skimming it, I saw... I want my name not attached oh. to this. <laughs> wow! It was a movie. It was a movie called Red Sonia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. With uh, with Sylvester Stallone's girlfriend, right? As Red Sonia, Bridget Nielsen. Oh, that could have been a really cool movie too. <laughs> but boy, yeah. did they screw that up! i I have not seen the movie. I shouldn't say this. Maybe it's a work of genius for all I know. But just skimming the final screenplay, it seemed like this is a wretched mess.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. That could have been a lucrative career for you.
1: Well, I they, I did get called out again, and I wrote uh, the CBS uh, New Adventures of Mighty Mouse. Me and John Lucy put the whole damn thing together. Oh, yeah. That was Time Magazine uh, put it on their list of the 10 best shows on TV yeah that was and a great Wall show St- the Wall Street Journal said it was the single best show on television wow <laughs> that's great I couldn't believe it it's a Saturday morning cartoon for kids you yeah. know
0: it was so good though yeah a lot of good stuff in that one well uh, Doug thank you so much for talking with us today this has been really fun Sure, it's been. I, I just love sure. the, your Moon Knight character and, and the work that you did there so I appreciate that you're welcome yeah